Well, I'm really thankful that you all are here today with us and enjoying this time and worshiping together. Um, those of you who are online, please make sure that you let us know that you're here. Um, this is also Valentine's Day, right? And so I thought I'd uh, say happy Valentine's Day. Um, this is my Valentine right here. Not Well, Jesus is, yeah, but there you go. So that was a year or two ago, actually almost 40 years ago. That's crazy, right? Um, anyway, um, may the love of God be the greatest love that you have in your heart to every single one of us, that God, know that God loves you deeply and dearly, and thank you for being here and being a part of this time today. So how many of you make use of online reviews if you're going to purchase any kind of product? Anybody in here do that? You do online reviews, right? You look at them and you know, the better the review, then you're going to say, okay, I'm going to do that one. And if it's not a great review, you don't do that. I know some of that's kind of an age thing for some of us, right? Um, if we're a little bit younger, maybe you use that more. But what if, um, what if you needed to have something fixed in your home? You know, so your stove was broken, your hot water heater, you know, went out. Um, you needed somebody to handle your retirement account. So, would you just go online and get a review, or if it's something that somebody's going to walk into your house, um, if it's that significant, important, if you're like me, you want to get a personal recommendation. So I want to know, you know, have you used this company, or have you um, had this person help you? I want to be able to know if I'm having somebody come in, like we had our hot water heater replaced the other day. And I had talked to somebody who said, this is a great plumber, use this particular person. And so I did. And so it's the recommendations in person, for me at least, that make the greatest difference, especially if it's something significant. In other words, the more important the need that I have, the more significant that rec um, recommendation happens to be. So if I need a hot water heater, that's pretty important. But if I need a heart surgeon... Okay, so that goes way up to the top of the list. I want to make sure that the person who's giving me the recommendation knows what they're talking about. I want to make sure that they've had experience and that they're reputable. I want to know that the person who's given me the recommendation really knows about this particular one. The voice of authority when we need a recommendation is crucial. So what if that recommendation comes from God himself? I mean, that'd probably seem in it for us, right? If God said, this is somebody you need to pay attention to, I'm going to pay attention to them. So we begin a brand new series today entitled, Why Listen to Jesus? So again, our goal in 2021 is that we want to see Christ. We want to encourage you with everything you have to pursue this relationship with Jesus Christ. The simplest way to say that is, we want to encourage you to get to know Jesus better. And so that's why we're spending the whole year in the Gospel of Luke. We want to spend time in this particular Gospel being able to discover what is Luke's perspective, what are the stories that he shares, what are the things that he talks about so that we can get to know Jesus better. And so the series goal that we're in, this one, Why Listen to Jesus, has as, as its heart um, insight for you and I from Luke, from the stories and the events that he tells us, so that we can know, yeah, Jesus is the one that I need to listen to. Jesus is the one that I want to submit to. Jesus is the one that I want to listen to. And so today, we go to the very start of his ministry. So we're in Luke chapter 3, and so I encourage you to open your Bibles up, 
turn your phone or your tablet on to Luke chapter 3 so that you can look through that and you can follow along there. It's the start of the ministry of Jesus, it's the baptism of Jesus, and it's one of the few times in the New Testament that we actually hear or the audible voice of God is recorded for us there. And so the answer to the question, why listen to Jesus, is because God gave his approval upon Jesus as the one for us to follow. And again, the person to whom we listen determines our present and our future, and so we need to choose that person wisely. So I'm going to read from Luke chapter 3, beginning in verse 21, just a few verses here, and then we're going to dig in together. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Now Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. So if you look um, in the past verses in chapter 3, one of the things you discover is Luke has just spent that entire chapter talking about the ministry of John the Baptist. Okay, So John is the guy who ate weird food, dressed weird, lived out in the wilderness, right? John was the Elijah of the Old Testament, the forerunner of the Messiah. And so Luke has spent and put it pretty much all together. Now we're going to talk about John later on in this year because there's some other things there. But John preached a message of repentance to the people. In fact, if you go back to um, the first couple verses of John chapter 3, beginning in middle of verse 2, it says this, The word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan, and here it is, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. So, Literally, hundreds and thousands of people came out to hear the message of John. Maybe at first they just wanted to see this crazy guy, but the, the message that he preached was convicting. He literally baptized hundreds and thousands of people. But the baptism of John is different than the baptism of which we participate in today. Bap John's baptism was a baptism of preparation for the Messiah. The Messiah is coming, and so you need to get ready for it. You need to prepare for it. But at the heart of that baptism was a changed life. In other words, repentance. That's what it means. I see that what I'm doing is not the way God wants me to, and so I'm being baptized just kind of as a mark of saying, I am repenting. I'm preparing for the coming of this Messiah, Jesus Christ. The baptism by which uh, that you and I submit to, that Jesus taught about at the end of his ministry, that the apostles, that Peter and others preached about, was a baptism not just for repentance, but it was a baptism into the name of Jesus Christ. And why was that? Because at the time of John's baptism, they didn't even know who the Messiah was, right? They didn't know his name. Jesus had not yet died yet. But by the time Jesus leaves this earth... And the apostles preached, they preached that we are baptized by faith into the name of Jesus Christ. Why Jesus Christ? Because Jesus Christ is the one who gave his life. He's the one who saves us from our sin. And so John's baptism was a way for the Jews of John's day to be able to say, hey, we're ready, it's time to bring on the Messiah. But then Luke says this in our passage, there in verse 21. 
He says, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. Now, why would Jesus be baptized? I mean, Jesus was sinless. He was perfect. He didn't have to repent of anything. Like, he didn't have to repent of the fact that, oh, I forgot to get anything for my, you know, loved one on Valentine's Day, right? He wouldn't make that kind of mistake. He never did anything wrong. So why on earth would Jesus need to be baptized? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One, a part of his baptism was to validate the ministry of John the Baptist, to kind of say, you know what, this is true, this is right. Uh, another reason was really to connect with you and I as sinful people. In other words, to say, hey, I'm setting the example. You know, I'm going before you, I want to show you that. But ultimately, the baptism of Jesus Christ was the moment in which God, and we'll see that with the surrounding events that happened, in which God were, would, would say to the Jewish nation and ultimately to all of us, you've been waiting for the Messiah, he's now here. He's the one, this is the person that you need to listen to. And so Jesus was baptized as well, and as we're going to learn here, there was a lot of unusual things that happened at his baptism that doesn't happen in anyone else's baptism. So I'm curious, how many of you remember when you were baptized? Anybody remember that? Anybody at home remember when you were baptized? Yeah, it's a pretty significant event for most of us. We have a pretty significant memory of it. Um, some baptisms, though, are more memorable than others. hilarious. I mean, you know, some just way more memorable than other people's baptisms. So what happens at the baptism of Jesus that sets it apart, that makes it so different? So starting there, verse 21, it says, Jesus was baptized too, and as he was praying, what's it say? Heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you're my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. So why is this event so significant? See, this is the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. Jesus is stepping out of complete total obscurity into the limelight, right? Jesus is going from total anonymity to reaching a place where he's going to be so popular that he's not going to even have time for himself eventually, he is about to begin the most important mission ever that the Messiah was, a, was here. But if you're a Jew living in that particular day, how are you supposed to know that this carpenter from the sticks is really the Messiah? I mean, you've been waiting for this. I mean, for hundreds of years, they've been waiting for the Messiah. I mean, they have been taught that the Messiah is going to become the promised one. So what would cause them to want to follow this carpenter who's from the sticks, right? Who's just from nowhere. Maybe what he needs is a recommendation from God himself. Because, you see, for thousands of years, God has been hinting at and pointing to and prophesying and, 
and telling the people that someday there is one who's coming who will save you from your sin. There is one who is coming to save his people. The Messiah is coming, one who would literally crush the head of Satan and restore humanity back to a relationship with God the Father. All the way back in Genesis 3.15, God speaking to the serpent, he says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Then through Abraham, God made this promise in Genesis 26. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky and will give them all these lands and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. And then Isaiah prophesied about his birth, right? We studied this just a couple of months ago in December. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So Isaiah and Jeremiah and even Daniel, you can read about that. They all are a part of God telling the world, and especially the Jewish nation, that there was one to come. And so the question on the minds of a Jew, if you were living in that day, is how are we supposed to know that this one has come? How do we know when the Messiah arrives? And so God uses Jesus' baptism, this moment, to declare to the Jewish nation that the time is at hand. And so I want us to look a little bit about how God endorses Jesus, how he recommends Jesus as the one, and discover the first reason why we choose to listen to Jesus or to submit to his authority. So look again, starting there in verse 21, and as he was praying, this is Jesus, heaven was open and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Now first, there's some of the activities surrounding the event of Jesus' baptism. Now, Jesus is baptized by John, but it's interesting that Luke doesn't mention that fact. Again, the whole thing of looking at the gospel side by side and you see different pieces. We know that John baptized him, but Luke doesn't specifically mention that here. But it says, upon him being baptized, what was Jesus doing there? He was praying. And it also points out to the fact that we're going to learn as we go through the Gospel of Luke that Luke does a lot of highlighting of this fact that Jesus spent time praying. And then it says, heaven was open. Now, what do you think that looked like? Do you think that was like it's a real kind of dark, overcast day and all of a sudden the clouds part and the sun goes, opens up there? Or is it like there's a rent up in the atmosphere? And suddenly you get a glimpse or look up there. I don't really know. It doesn't, just says heaven was open. And then what happens? The Holy Spirit comes down. Now it says in the form like a dove. It doesn't say it was a dove, but in a form like a dove. But the Holy Spirit comes down upon Jesus Christ himself. And what's happening here is this is the anointing of Jesus from heaven upon this one who was to be the Messiah. You see, this anointing was a Jewish practice that would say, this person is now in authority. So like a high priest would anoint 
the next king. Or a prophet would anoint another prophet. It was a symbol of either transference of authority or recognition of authority. And so God the Father anoints God the Son through the work of God the Holy Spirit at the baptism of Jesus Christ. And so this is a passage that reveals this teaching called the Trinity. And we're not going to spend time, but it's, it demonstrates God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Trinity is the teaching that God is one, but he reveals himself in three distinct personalities, as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all three are present at this particular moment. But this descending of the dove is a very visual representation, and God uses visual aids all the time throughout Scripture. But it's saying, this is the one. And even before the words are spoken, it's very clear that we're dealing here with the divine commissioning of Jesus, this one, to be the Messiah. But then, heaven speaks to us. And it's a very personal conversation. Did you notice that? He says there, a voice came from heaven, you are my son. With you, I am well pleased. That's very personal. In fact, some commentators wonder whether or not anybody else is even hearing this, if it's just Jesus and his father and maybe John the Baptist there. But God speaks to his son. And throughout time, God has spoken out loud, audibly to his people. For example, you think about God speaking to Moses at the giving of the Ten Commandments. But what was the feeling of the people surrounding the giving of the Ten Commandments in the mountain all that? It was like this feeling of fear, right? It's like God speaking. I, you know, you go take care of that, Moses. I don't want to do it. Just, it was just this ominous kind of thing of God speaking. But you know what? God even spoke to Moses at other times, Scripture says, face to face like he was talking to a friend. I mean, God is a very relational God. Think about the beginning. He walked and talked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening. Here he is speaking with his son, and he did it oftentimes, right, while Jesus was on this earth. It's so important that you and I recognize that God is a relational God, and he wants a relationship with every single one of us. He loves us. He desires that kind of relationship with us. So what do the words mean that God spoke? You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. It, what's happening here is God is, with this, is kind of weaving together these two Old Testament references. Reference number one is this, that Jesus is identified as this kind of messianic um, king son. And this comes from Psalm chapter 2 and verse 7, in which David says this, He said to me, you are my son, today I have become your father. And so this son title is a Jewish reference to the son of God. And the roots of this title go all the way back to the kingdom of David, in which God very clearly said to David, you're going to have a descendant. In other words, you're going to have a, a, a son who's going to be king, who's going to sit on your throne. It's going to happen forever. And so in Psalm 2, the psalmist explains the importance of 
the sovereignty of this son. He's not just anybody's son, right? He's the son of the king. He's the son of God, even in the midst of the kind of opposition that he was facing there. And so when Jesus is used, or God's using this title, you are my son, it's a reference to his being the Messiah, the, the son of the king. And then the second reference, Jesus is identified in Isaiah 42.1 as the servant king. He's not just the sovereign king or the messianic king as the son. He's the servant king. And here's what Isaiah 42.1 says. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. Now think about what God says there. He says, you are my son. With you I am well pleased. Why would he be well pleased with Jesus? Because Jesus came to do the will of the Father. Jesus came to do what God wanted him to do. Jesus came knowing ultimately what that meant. Jesus came to serve God. In fact, Jesus himself said in Mark 10, 45, for even the Son of Man did not come to what be served, but to serve, and then what? To give his life as a ransom for many. And so the baptism of Jesus was this declaration from God kind of revealing the twofold work of the, of the Messiah. Number one, he came as the Messiah or the royalty, the, you know, the, the king, the son, the Messiah, but he also came as a servant king. Now the Jews understood the first part. They liked the king thing because they felt like the Messiah was going to come and just wipe out the Romans and set the Jews you know, on the throne and we would rule everybody else. But that wasn't what God had in mind because there was a second piece to it. He was to be the servant king. He came to serve. He came to give his life for you and me. You are my son and you I am well pleased. Why listen to God or to Jesus? Is because God's the one who says, this is the one. So the question we're wrestling with is, am I going to listen to Jesus? Why should I listen to Jesus? Why should I submit my life to his will and to his authority? I mean, it, a lot of people respect Jesus. My guess would be if you would take an assignment, let's say you would talk to some friends or neighbors or somebody comes into this shop or somebody that you work by this week, and you were to just say, hey, what do you think about Jesus? And you could even say, well, you know, my preacher told me I had to do this. You ask them. Most people will have a lot of respect for Jesus, that he was a good man, he lived a good life, he, you know, was a person that taught well, you know, the things he taught were really meaningful and significant. But most people kind of fall short. Um, in his book titled The 100, astrophysicist Michael Hart asked the question, who are the top most 100 influential people in history? In other words, he asked, of all the human beings who've ever lived, who has had the deepest impact on our lives today? So the top 100 people to ever live. So he had like Sigmund Freud on there. He had Louis Pasteur on there. But one of the interesting things he did was he, he didn't just say, who are the top 100? He literally ranked them. Here's the most influential all the way to the 100th most influential. And so, obviously, he's going to put Jesus Christ on this list. He's got to be in the top 100 most influential, and he did do that. 
But here's what he said. He said, Jesus was the inspiration for the most influential religion in history. He even wrote this, Jesus had an extraordinarily impressive personality. Now, that's a nice compliment, right? But where does he rank Jesus? Well, he ranks Jesus as the third most influential person in history. Muhammad was first, and Isaac Newton was second. Now, Hart was attempting to do what really most all of humanity has to do. We have to say, where does Jesus fit in our lives? What kind of influence does Jesus have upon me? What will I make of Jesus? So how are we? Is Jesus like in my top 100? Is he in my top 10? Is he at the top? Or is Jesus what? In a category all by himself. The way you answer that question, it's going to affect everything in your life. It's, it's the most critical question in your life. What am I going to do with Jesus? And so what Luke is showing by this baptism and the events is Jesus is not just some good person. He's not just some amazing person here. Um, there's never been anyone like him. This is the one that God said, this is my beloved son. This is the one I am well pleased in. And the significance is profound. It's not like I've got a cafeteria here and I can choose this food and that food in regard to religion and Jesus just one among many. It's not like I can say, well, you know what? There's a whole bunch of roads that lead to heaven. Jesus is just one of those pathways to get to heaven. No. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we may be saved. Jesus himself said this in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is unique. God didn't say that about anyone else. You are my son, with you I am well pleased. He only said that about Jesus. And with that kind of divine you know, endorsement, we need to ask ourselves, <clears throat> so who is Jesus in my life? The other reality I think we have to confront has to do with, am I willing to listen to Jesus and allow my life to be guided by Jesus Christ? Because for some, we listen to the truths of Jesus, the truths in his word. You know, whether we're here in person, we're online, wherever we're at, we, we listen to the truth of Jesus, but it's very easy at times to become selective in what we choose to obey. We hear it, but we don't choose to obey all of it. You know, we want to take the speck out of our brother or sister's eye while all the while, ha all the while having this big, huge log in my own eye. We defend the unjust and sometimes show partiality to the wicked while not defending the weak or upholding the cause of the oppressed. We want God's blessing without honoring him with the first fruits in our life. We desire the help of the church while it's so easy for us to forsake the assembly together. We want to store up things for ourselves without making it a priority of putting God first in our life. We want to be a disciple of Jesus, but we find it so very difficult to take up our own cross. If Jesus is the authority, as God clearly declares 
at his baptism, then I have to ask myself, have I really submitted and surrendered to the lordship of Jesus Christ found in Scripture, or am I just rewriting Jesus? And so Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside. The crowds followed to listen to the teachings of Jesus. Ignore the poor, for they have chosen this life and must deal with the consequences. I say to you, hate your enemies. Hold a grudge whenever someone wrongs you. Pursue wealth and success. Money will satisfy the desires of your heart. Love yourself and put your interests before others. Of course, Jesus did not really say these things. He taught the opposite. Jesus taught us to live with compassion, sacrifice, and forgiveness. Do our lives reflect his actual teachings? Or are we rewriting Jesus? So for those of you who, um, who have not made Jesus the authority in your, in your life, my question is why not? Why would you not want to make Jesus the authority of your life, the one whom God says, this is the one that I am well pleased with? And what about the rest of us who've made Jesus the authority, but we still have a couple of those areas of our life that's really hard to to surrender, surrender to him? What is one area of your life that you need to submit and surrender to Jesus Christ? Because we all have them, right? Every one of us. There are those areas that's just a little bit hard to let go, and we, we can justify it. We can say, well, you know what? In this circumstance or in that situation, God will understand. It's like, am I rewriting Jesus, or am I really submitting to his authority? Because if we try to make Jesus fit into our plans, that, that only ever ends up in heart, heartache. God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So I'm going to take a moment and pray for us, and then we're going to sing a prayer. It's a very profound prayer, and I pray that it is true for you. And if, you know, there any of this that you need to talk about, especially about surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, I would love to be able to do that. Those of you who are online, I mean, just... Uh, put in the chat box or send an email to us or put in the prayer request. You know what? I need to talk to somebody about Jesus. Those of you who are here, if there's something that's not concrete in your mind, as soon as this service is over, I would love to visit with you or send me an email. But we desperately need Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us and then let's worship together. Lord God, thank you for your love. Lord God, thank you for pointing to and letting us know that Jesus is the one that we need to listen to, that you are well pleased with him. Lord, help us not to let anything get in the way. Our own selfishness, our own self-deception, Father, whatever it happens to be. Lord, together as your church, we just put you on the throne again and say, Lord, help us to give everything we have to you. And it's in your most precious name we pray. Amen.